Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. So let's pray together. Father, we pray that today as we as we kind of step into your word, that Lord, we know that your word will pierce hearts, that your word will will we'll, we'll just show and, un, and show us not only the way of life, but it'll show us our own lives, the things that we need to turn to you in. And so, Father, I just pray right now. I pray for each and every person that, Lord, your Holy Spirit would just come around them, that none of us in this room is, 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 uh, <laughs> is outside of your view right now. You see us all just as we are, and we thank you for that. And so, Father, we give this this time to you. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right. I believe today's a good day, right? Look at the person, look at your neighbor and say, today's a good day. I just believe that because no matter what happens from here, I can totally botch this message and it's already been a good day. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not too worried. I think it's already been good. Um, God's doing good work. And it's a good day. So turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. I'm going to get into a story that I absolutely love today. It's one of those that I just feel like it preaches, so to speak. And it's one of those things that has so much to say. And even as a young Christian, I love this story because it's so, it's so quirky. It's so different. It, it, a movie could be made about this. I'm sure one has at some point. Uh, if you were with us last week... Um, really the last two weeks, we started a, a series called The Way of Life. But last week we were in Mark chapter 1 which is the chapter right before Mark chapter 2. So this is some crazy Bible knowledge I'm dropping on you already today. In Mark 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he overcame temptation, overcame the work of the enemy. He, he, he established his authority over the enemy. He comes out of the wilderness and he begins to heal people. And he begins to cast out demons, specifically with one guy in the, at the end of chapter 1. And so... You can imagine that this creates quite a stir in Galilee. People are pretty uh, interested in this guy Jesus already. And so when we get to, to Mark chapter 2, the crowds start to come to Jesus. Mark chapter 2 verse 1. A few days later, meaning after he casted the demon out of this guy, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow, I like that they called Jesus a fellow, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. So he's reading their hearts, right? They're not even saying this out loud. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say that to this paralyzed man your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. 
So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. So this is an amazing, miraculous, remarkable story. Um, Mark packs a lot into 12 verses there that have probably taken me a long time to say, but he said it very concisely. And this, Jesus is preaching in a house that is so crowded that it's literally overflowing outside of the house, right? And there is, you can imagine there's probably rows, stacks of people trying to lean in and listen. There's so many people. I just want you to imagine like, imagine like Chick-fil-A between noon and one. That many people, are you with me? <laughs> Just, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people, right? And they're packing, at, people are everywhere. And here comes these four guys bringing a paralyzed man on a mat. And they're carrying him by the four corners. And they're planning to bring him to Jesus. But they encounter the crowd. And the crowd is so numerous that they can't get to the door into the house. Which brings up a very interesting question. What do you do when the thought, when, when the way that you thought you should go runs into a dead end? When there's no way to get through? I think this story has something for us today. Are you all feeling it? Because I'm feeling it. I had two cups of coffee today and I'm really, I'm really ready to go. I was even asked, did you have two cups today? I did. I did. Here we go. There are a few things we know going into this story that I think are important to know, and it all has to do with that we understand history. We understand a few things about history, and we understand that these four men coming up into this crowd, the crowd wouldn't have cared to try and help these men make a way through. They didn't want to because they didn't really care. They didn't think the man on the mat was worth it. And here's the reason we know this is that we see this in another story. You guys remember the, blind, the story of blind Bartimaeus, the beggar? He, he shouts out to Jesus as Jesus is walking by. Hey, Jesus, have mercy on me. And what does the crowd do? Hey, hush, Bartimaeus, shut your mouth. We don't want to hear you right now. Don't bother Jesus. You see, what happened is back then, people tried to keep people down back then. Not now, though, right? Back then, people tried to really stop people from pursuing their dreams. They did that back then, but thankfully, that's not such the case anymore, right? And so here's the thing, like there was this, there's this, there's this reality that back then people didn't want people to pursue the way of Jesus. They wanted to create obstacles because nobody does that now, right? Hmm. Yeah, I think we'd all agree that the way to Jesus, the way to life is often one obstacle course after another. Blocked at every turn by people and by circumstances. And so we want to live in the ways of Jesus, but one crowded doorway after another way. Doesn't it feel like that way sometimes? The way we want to go, the way to Jesus, we have an obstacle after an obstacle, a roadblock after a roadblock. But what I love about this story and why we're talking about it today is that there was another way. You see, the way we think we ought to go isn't always the way we should go. It was unexpected, and I'm sure it wasn't easy to do what these four men did, but these four friends, they didn't have any quit in them. They, they, they had great expectations. You can say that their expectations were through the roof. You get it? You get it? Come on. You need to stay with me today. Since they couldn't go through the crowd, they decided to go through the roof. Everyone say through the roof. It wasn't obvious or even conventional, but they did it anyway. How many of you know that sometimes 
the best way to go isn't always the easiest. How many know that sometimes the best way to go isn't the way that most people would go? Most people see the crowd, the doorway, and they see it blocked, even well-intentioned people, right? And they go, oh, I guess it's just not in the cards today. You see that? The door's blocked. God shut that door. God shut that door, so I guess I just need to, you know, go back home. Sometimes we miss the opportunity because we assume we know the way, but what if we don't? What if God has another way? What if God is doing something that he wants you to take an extra measure of faith to exercise a greater determination and he wants you to pay attention to what he's actually doing? You know, we've all missed opportunities in life. Anybody miss an opportunity? (laughs) We've all missed opportunities in life, usually because we didn't know that what was before us was an opportunity and therefore we missed it. And in hindsight, we're like, oh my gosh, I missed that opportunity, right? Because a lot of times we don't see the mustard seed as a tree. We just see it as a good for nothing seed. I just read about one of the all-time missed opportunities this past week. You all remember Blockbuster video? Yeah, I loved, I loved going to BBV. You know what I mean? Two, family movie night, two movies, two pizzas, little C's right next door. It was awesome. You're like, what is he talking about? Blockbuster video, Little Caesars. All right. I loved it. You know, be kind, rewind. I did the whole thing. (laughs) Well, back in 2000, (laughs) back in 2000, there was a little startup called Netflix that had a little DVD subscription thing going on. And they were like, hey, this is too big for us. They actually went to Blockbuster and tried to sell to Blockbuster and say, hey, we'll sell to you. We'll kind of manage this whole subscription thing and this whole startup of a thing called streaming. And so they said, hey, we'll sell to you for $50 million. Blockbuster laughed in their face, right? Well, today, today we all know Netflix is now worth, I think maybe they just thought, (laughs) maybe the DVDs would be like forever. I don't know. But today Netflix is worth $125 billion and Blockbuster is worth a cool zero American dollars. (laughs) Missed opportunity, right? I read about Yahoo, you know, everybody's favorite search engine. <laughs> well, they missed out. They missed out in 2002 by, to acquire Google for $1 billion, which sounds like a crazy amount of money. They declined it, and Google is now only worth $280 billion. I'm so glad missed opportunities in my life are things like, dang it, I missed 50 cent corn dog day at Sonic. <laughs> I would hate to be the guy. I would hate to be the guy that missed out on 279 billion. You know what I'm saying? Those sorts of stories happen in business all the time. They happen in sports. They happen in music industry. I mean, missed opportunities. But what about life? I have a belief that God sends us life preservers and He sends us help all the time. We just don't recognize it, and we miss the opportunity and we walk away disappointed. We walk away disappointed thinking that we experienced a closed door instead of being able to step through a different way that was experiencing God's power. I know for me that I think it kind of plays out like this. For me, I often expect God to kind of show up and show off all the time. You know what I mean? Like God's going to be this superhero entrance every time into my life, anytime I encounter a problem, and he's going to do this amazing thing. And what, that, what happens is when God shows up like a mustard seed, I ignore it. But see, 
God says, if you would just have the faith of a mustard seed, the smallest of all the seeds, it actually becomes the largest of the trees in the garden. And so sometimes I'm just looking for the superhero and all he's saying, hey, I'm just a simple, this is just a simple thing. Will you trust me with the smallest of things right now? Because I want to do something that you didn't expect. I want to take you in a different way. Now it's funny. <laughs> it's funny to imagine these four friends, right? That once, once they realized they weren't getting into the house, that moment of like, well, what do we do now? I, I, I just love the scene. I have no idea what happened, but I have my own version of it. Think what happened, right? I think what happened is they're, they're a little bit disappointed, but then one of them goes, hey, guys, come over here. So they, they put their, guy, their friend down because they don't need him to hear what they're about to do. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to do it. You don't have to actually talk about it. Are you with me? So they put them over, and then they walk over here, and they're like, they huddle up, and they're like, all right, here's the deal. I have this idea. And they're like, what do you got? He's like, I think we should just go through the roof. And the other three look at him and they're like, dude, that's an amazing idea. When God closes his door, create a skylight. It makes sense. So anyway, somehow they, they just take this brilliant idea and somehow they carry this man on the mat onto the roof, which I have no idea how that happened. Um, Mark doesn't share that, but I imagine one of them gets, once they get up on the roof, they get this guy up there. And I, I just, I just kind of picture like, how do they know where to dig? How do they know where to like put the hole in the roof? And I imagine one of them is like, hold on, hold on, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. I got to listen for Jesus's voice. So he's like getting down, listening. He's right here. This is the spot. We dig right here. How many of you know that it's a good idea to listen for Jesus' voice before you dig a hole in a roof? <laughs> Sometimes I think what we do in life is we take crazy swings and we call it faith. But here's the thing. If we actually listen to the voice of God, we might know where to swing. And so here's the thing. <laughs> There's this, I love, I was thinking about this the other day, like, or when I was getting ready, I was like, I do this in my, when I'm trying to hang a picture on the wall, like a big heavy mirror or something. I just am like, I think I know where the stud is. And I kind of feel the wall. I'm like, yeah, that's it. And then I, I put the nail through the wall. Are you guys following me? And then it goes straight through and I miss the stud. You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm like, ah, oh, dang it. And so then I have to pull the nail out and find a different stud. You know what I'm talking about? So here's the thing. If you guys are totally clueless, it's because you've never hung anything on a wall. But let me just tell you how it works. You got to find the stud, which is the wood stud in the wall, to put the nail or the screw in so it doesn't do greater damage to the wall. Or you're going to have to create a new hole, right? And so here's the thing. If you don't have a stud in the wall, you do a thing called you get an anchor, a wall anchor, and you put that in the wall. And so how many of you know that Jesus, oh, this is... <laughs> Okay, hold on. Before I say the, the punchline, I just gotta, I gotta say, whenever, okay, so here's how you find a stud. You get a stud finder. And, and you pull it, by the way, you pull it across the wall and it tells you where the stud is. The cool thing is that Christy, Christy got a stud finder about 20 years ago. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that was a really lame joke, but I had to say it. I could not resist. It was like, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's a different story though. But <laughs> it, was just, it, was, it was just too easy. 
to, to go for it. Some of you are totally clueless right now. It's okay. But anyway, so you get a stud finder. And here's the thing. When you find a stud, you know where to put the nail. Or you know where to put the anchor. How many, maybe we can, like I said, this is a little bit, this is a little bit much, but this is going to be good. I would like to suggest that Jesus is our stud. <laughs> Jesus is our anchor. I know that's cheesy, but can I get an amen? Our stud finder is the way we listen for God's voice. And when we hear his voice, we stop and we say, this is where we go to work. This is where we settle in. We need to quit swinging the hammer at things that aren't properly aligned with our anchor, that aren't properly aligned with the stud in our life, which is Jesus. All it does is create greater damage. Faith isn't as blind as we make it. Faith, faith will always be guided by the voice of God. And if you aren't listening, you aren't going to have any idea which way to go. But when we're listening, when we get down, we go, this is a spot. This is where Jesus is. We know where to go to work. Those four friends, they were hopeful. They were ready to see a miracle. They were ready to do more for the kingdom. And if that's you, if you're that way, I would just say, you know, it's, don't just say that you're hopeful. Don't just, don't just feel ready for the moment. And don't just believe that God can do anything. Because this isn't always a matter of just, do, do, are you saying it? Do, do you feel it? Do you believe it? Sometimes it's about actually doing something. Everyone say, do something. Erwin McManus wrote a book called Chasing Daylight. I've been quoting this thing for like 15 years, this little line right here. But he says this, you cannot follow God in neutral. God has created you to do something. It's not enough to stop the wrong and then be paralyzed when it comes to the right. It's not enough to just stop sinning. And so much about Christianity is about, is about sin management behavior modification, but he's saying, listen, it's not just about stopping the wrong, but it's actually about going and doing something, that our faith would actually equal action, that our love would actually equal some form of action. So they start digging, and inside that house, when Jesus is teaching, you just, again, picture the scene, he's standing there teaching, and all of a sudden, these little pieces of Dirt start to fall from the roof. The people in the house are kind of curious at this moment. And then before you know it, huge chunks of dirt start to fall to the ground right in front of Jesus. And I'm sure the whole house was completely silent. Jesus stops teaching. <clears throat> they're, all, they're completely silent, wondering what is happening. And, and down comes this man lowered on a mat right in front of Jesus. And there's so many things we could talk about in this moment. Like what's this guy thinking on the mat? What's, what's the people in the room thinking? Is Jesus upset at this interruption? Like, what's going to happen? And Jesus, he, he, of course, looks at the man. But then I love the scene that is described in the scriptures. He looks up at the hole, the new skylight in this house, right? He looks up at the hole and he sees four faces peering down, hopeful faces, like probably with huge grins on their face. You know, like, okay, Jesus, we got him for you. Do your thing. You know what I mean? And, and, and he looks, it says that he, and I think I have this on the screen, but it says, when Jesus saw their faith, 
He looked at the man and said, son, your sins are forgiven. You see, these men had found a different way to the feet of Jesus. It wasn't the way they originally thought they would go, but here they are. And this is a remarkable statement. When he saw their faith. This is one of the rare exceptions in the scripture where we find Jesus responding to their faith, not to the faith of the individual. We make, we make faith such an individual pursuit, don't we? But this is proof that your faith in Christ can make a difference in someone else's life. That your unrelenting prayer for someone else can actually create breakthrough in their life. How many times have we prayed breakthrough for someone else? How many times have we prayed healing for someone else? How many times have we just prayed God's love on someone else? How many times have we done whatever it takes to get someone else to the feet of Jesus? So Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. But don't you think those four guys were like, four guys were like, uh, okay, that's, that's good, Jesus, but we brought him here <laughs> to heal. But here you are forgiving him. We want to see the miracle, God. But once again, how many know that God will, God is so good that he'll give us what we need before what we want. And I'm not just trying to give a bunch of one-liners today. That's not my intent. But there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of story happening in this that these people that are in this story are real people. There's a group of men that said, we're going to do whatever it takes. We're going to push love past the limits. We're going to love beyond reason. We're going to love when there's restrictions and barriers and limitations put in our face. We're going we're to not stop loving. We're going to love beyond reason. We're going to we're going to possess a kind of love that isn't a human form of love, but it's a God kind of love that not only God wants us to have for him, but he wants us to have for one another. And so there's a story happening where there's a group of people that, that said, you know what? God's conviction and calling isn't always paved pathways and open doorways, but it's sometimes something much larger than that. Sometimes it's a conviction and a calling that we have to do something. We have to find the way that God has for us. We have to keep listening and keep pursuing and keep trusting. But some of us are giving up on the love that maybe we felt like we should possess because it's been hard. And I'm just convinced that if love isn't easy, oftentimes we give up. But I just know that the kind of love that God calls us to isn't always going to be easy. It isn't always going to be put on a platter for us. It's actually going to call us to a kind of love that transforms who we are. Because who we are, I hate to say this about myself, but I say it about all of us. Who we are is intended mostly to just think about ourselves in life. We're very, we're very, we're very me-centric people. But whenever we say, I'm going to carry someone else's mat, we tap into a kind of love that is the God kind of love. And this is a real story, right, with real people that I understand and I relate to these four guys and the fact that they did something that was not easy. They pushed past the limits. They loved recklessly. They did something. And then you have this guy, right? He's lying on the floor and Jesus says, your, your, your sins are forgiven. And the guys are like, hold on, we thought we brought him here to be healed. But Jesus will give us what we need sometimes before he gives us what we want. And our greatest need in life is the grace and mercy of Jesus. That's the first thing we need before anything else. We need the forgiveness of our sin. 
Today, you may want Jesus to fix a problem. You may want Jesus to provide for a need. You may want Jesus to even heal something. And all those are worthy requests. And all those are the things that Jesus does want you to bring to him. But I know before any of that, we all need his grace and his forgiveness. Salvation first and foremost is the forgiveness of our sin that Jesus took care of on the cross for us. And it's through Jesus that we can be reconciled to God and called, called his children to have a relationship with him. You know, I read earlier, Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Romans says that anyone that confesses with their mouth that Jesus, that Jesus is Lord and believes that God raised Jesus from the dead will be saved. And so, I, you know, I can't, I can't go much further in this message without asking a very just honest question that you would ask in your own heart. Is that, do you need God's gift of salvation today that begins with God's forgiveness Do you need to receive the forgiveness of sin? Because here's what I know is that we all have a through-the-roof moment in life, maybe multiple ones, where we find ourselves at the feet of Jesus and it was not easy to get there. We find ourselves at the feet of Jesus and we don't even know how we're there and it's hard to stay there, but we're there. And you may be here today, you may be listening or watching online, and, and if, if I was to say, who in this story do you relate to, you may say, I really actually relate to the guy on the mat. My life's troubled. I've been knocked down. Life's hard, and I need help. I just want you to know that God sees you right now. He sees you. And he loves you. And God wants a relationship with you. After Jesus forgives the sin of the paralyzed man, right? The scriptures say that some people in the crowd begin to question Jesus. And it says they begin thinking things like he forgives sin. Why does he, who is he to forgive sins? He's blaspheming. They say those sorts of things. And it says that Jesus knows their thoughts. He says to them, I know what you're thinking. Which I think is a crazy thought. Just pause on that. Jesus says, I know what you're thinking. Jesus knows our thoughts. He sees our heart, which means we can't fool God. Sometimes we live like we can fool God. Sometimes we think, ah, we can get away with this, but, but we can't fool him. I mean, I can be fooled, you can be fooled, but God can't be fooled. And because he can't be fooled and because he knows my thoughts and sees my heart, and that, that, that starts to really make me reflect on my life. And I don't say this to, to shame in you or guilt you or make you feel weird about the fact that, oh man, I've got, he's trying to guilt me into all the things that I do God that, or do bad that God sees. Here's the thing. I tell you that because I, I want this to help you become the best version of you because you have a God, check this out, you have a God who sees you and knows you, knows everything about you, and he loves you anyway. And that's what's amazing about it. That's what's amazing about it is sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, God sees me. And it's, it can bring shame and guilt pretty quickly because I know what goes through my head at times and I know what's in my heart. But to know that God knows all that, but yet he still loves me. Jesus says, 
to those in the crowd with these questions and these doubts. He says, I know that you're questioning my ministry. This is what he's saying to them. You're questioning my authority and my ability to actually forgive sin. He said, but let me ask you what's easier to say. Is it easier for me to say to be forgiven or for, to tell this guy to pick up his mat and walk? Well, he realizes, and, and if you're wondering why, is, the, is Jesus being smart? Is he being kind of, you know, if he, he realizes that the forgiveness of sin, well, that's kind of an invisible reality between a person and God. And he's like, I understand. You might be questioning, how, can, how is this true? How would I know that this is happening? So he says, I get it. Let me just show you my authority. So is it easier for me to say, this guy be forgiven, or is it easier for me to say, get up and walk? He says, I'm about to do both. I'm gonna tell you, whatever you're about to see makes me able to do the first thing. So he says, we'll call this guy Matt. Because <laughs> he's on a mat, you get it. He says, Matt, get up. Go home. So, so this man, he stands up, picks up his mat, and he walks out. Catch this, though. Think about this. He walks out of the door that he wasn't able to walk in. You see, God's kingdom often works in reverse. Sometimes the way that we thought was the way in is actually the way God is going to use us to get out. It's kind of like when he says, I'm going to give you what you need before what you want. He works a little different. So today, let me ask you, where are you in, the, in this story? A few things to help you on the screen to help you sink in. And there's three different people in this crowd. Maybe you've been picking up on that already. But are you like the person in the crowd? Are you like one of the friends? Are you like the man on the mat? And maybe, you know, when I say that, I can just real quickly connect you with, you know, the, the person in the crowd, the people that were questioning and had a lot of doubts is I know we live in a time and a season of the world that maybe isn't unique to others, but I, I think I hear more questions and more doubts about faith, at least in our culture, than I, than I have in my entire life. And there's a lot of questions out there and I think it's understandable. So because um, because culture and the world is a hard place to live. And so we're trying to ask God, um, and trying to figure God out and ask him questions or ask others questions. And, and if that's where you're at today, uh, you know, the thing that I love what Jesus did in this moment is, is he, he, he did provide a way to show him who he was. And I'm just confident that if you are willing to, to truly ask the question and really willing to come to the Lord humbly and say, I just want to know God, he will show you the way and he will show you who he is. And just like in that moment, he showed those uh, people with questions when he read their thoughts, he showed them the authority of himself by the way that he did a miraculous work. I've seen him do that time and time again in people's lives where they have questions and then God breaks through and he does the miraculous. And I think he does it to just say, yeah, I just want you to continue to know. I see you, I understand your thoughts and I wanna help you. And perhaps you're like one of the friends that carried the man on the mat. Has God called you to carry the mat for someone in your life. And I think there's a few specific people in the room. We all resonate with this to some degree, but some of you are right in the throes of a situation where you're like, I don't know if I can carry this mat another step. I don't know if what I'm doing is even making a difference, if it even matters. And I just want you to know that anytime you step into love, 
Anytime you overcome barriers and restrictions and limitations and try and love beyond reason, not only does it matter, but it's like these moments whenever Jesus looked up and he saw the faith of the friends and he looks at the other person and said, son, your sins are forgiven. There's gonna be moments in your life where God is gonna use your faith and your love and your action. To, he's gonna use it in such a way that isn't just about you, but it's gonna be about bringing his kingdom and bringing his, bringing his presence into someone else's life. And so I just wanna tell you to keep pressing, keep going, keep trusting, keep praying, keep doing the thing. Listen for the voice of Jesus every step of the way so you know where to work, you know where not to work, you know where to put, Put in your anchor and trust that Jesus is right there with you. What looks like disappointments may just be mustard seeds. God will make a way. Or maybe today you feel like the man on the mat and you need help and you feel like you've been knocked down. Maybe you even need forgiveness. Maybe you're here and you resonate with the story that God can heal anything. Maybe you need physical healing. Well, God always wants to give you what you need before what you want, but that doesn't mean he doesn't want to hear what you want because maybe when you voice what you want, it's just the doorway to what you need. So today I want to invite everyone in the room to just find themselves in the story because I remember I said, I believe God wants to meet all of us where we're at, wherever we're at in our life, and he wants to do transformational things in our heart today. So I want you to consider your relationship with the Lord right now and just ask yourself, what do I need today? But maybe more specifically, what do I need to do today? So I'm just gonna ask you to bow your heads. I'm just gonna pray for us for, for a few moments and we're gonna sing. I wanna begin with just inviting anyone to consider do you need to give your life to Christ today? Do you need to surrender and choose to follow God today? The most important decision any person can make is the choice to follow Christ and allow him to change you from the inside out. If you wanna give your life to Christ today, there's a lot of ways that people surrender to God in life. One of those ways is just through a prayer of surrender. And if you want to pray a prayer of surrender today, it just begins like this. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. You can just pray that right where you're at, right where you're seated. seated. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life, Jesus. And I ask for forgiveness of my sins. Just say that. Jesus, I give you my life and I ask for forgiveness of my sin. Jesus, I give you my life and I ask for forgiveness of my sin. Just real quick, because I want to pray for anybody in the room that's praying that prayer even right now. Is there anybody in here that's just, I just prayed that. I just, and I'm in it. Just lift your hand real quick. Brave, courageous, yeah. That's good. Father, I just want to pray for anybody right now that's just stepping into a relationship with you, crossing the line of faith, so to speak. I just pray that you would seal this moment. We trust you, God, with our lives. We trust you with the way to go. We trust you with our story, Father. We just pray these things in your name. Amen. I want you to look up. I just wanted to have that moment of prayer, but I want to actually close with this, and we're going to sing. But I love how the story ends. 
Verse 12, he got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of all of them, and this amazed everyone, and they praised God. So what I've always been struck by the story is this, the four friends didn't get the praise. They didn't give credit to the four friends for the hard work they did. They, they, didn't give, they didn't run up to the paralyzed man afterwards and say, wow, I can't believe what you just did. They didn't celebrate that there was huge crowds that day. Oh my gosh, church was great. Did you see how many people were there? They didn't celebrate that. No, it says that they praised God. I have a suspicion today that when that happened, when that man walked up and he walked out the door and they started praising God, I just, I don't know. I just feel like the praise went through the roof, <laughs> right? Literally. And so we just thought, let's just end with praise today. But it's one of those praise moments that I just wanna say, we wanna create room for God to move. This, these altars are gonna be open. You can come and pray. Our prayer team will be here. You can come and pray. And we're just gonna sing some praise to the Lord. Would you stand with us? Would you stand up? And let's just take a few minutes to pray in Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.